Did you have a favorite Super Bowl commercial? Oh, of course I did. I feel like I didn't get to see too many, but I feel like there was only one that rose above the rest. Uh, it had to be the Dunk Kings one with Ben Affleck and J-Lo and Matt Damon, Tom Brady, Tom Brady Jack Harlow, all these people. Like, it was awesome. Now, are you going to Dunkin' because of that, or was it just fun to watch? Uh, you know, I'm not a big coffee person, and I'm not a big donut person, so no. Oh, well, that's kind of I their will, whole thing. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like literally all they have to offer. Except like, I mean, I like chocolate milk, and they have chocolate milk there, but like... Who, just yeah, go but who goes out that. for chocolate milk? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, if I do go there, I get chocolate milk, but that's always because someone else wanted to go there, and I wanted yeah. to get something. Mm. Hey everyone, welcome back to Cole and Zach in the morning. This is episode 30 and we have a special post-Super Bowl episode for you today. Man, I'm so disappointed that the Chiefs won. As somebody that I'm lives so in Kansas happy. City, so I'm just, I was ready for something different to happen, you know? Oh well. I, I truly believe that Andy Reid may be the greatest coach of all time because that was the least talented Chiefs team he's ever had. You said something during the Super Bowl about how he'll go down as somebody that was really great at managing difficult personalities. And I think mm-hmm. that's so true. He, yeah. He's got a lot of yeah. big heads on that team. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what Travis Kelsey was literally pushing him and yelling at him yeah. during like the first half of the game. Like it wasn't even mm-hmm. like a high emotion moment. Yeah, I thought it was I thought I thought it was a good game, though. Uh, what I really want to talk about, Cole, is because this weekend uh, I spoke at a youth retreat up in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I got to travel with a ministry team band from the university that I work at. And you were on a ministry team band. And so the first time in my life, I got to live out my dream of being on one of those bands. And it was a fantastic time. I th- I'm sure it would have been really fun to do it with you and your bands when you're on it. But I wanted to ask you, because there's a few funny things that happened this weekend, if there are any stories that you had from your travel days. Oh, my goodness. There are so many stories. And the challenge will be to pick one to talk about. But the one that pops into my head, okay, so we were at a youth retreat with my youth group. It was my youth group that I grew up in and another youth group from the district. We like combined, we went up Northern Michigan and that was so fun, you know, being in the Mm -hmm. band, going back to your old youth retreat. That was a fun time. Yeah, Um, but But there was a kid from the other youth group there and his mom, they heard my last name was Doolittle. They come up to me and they say, let me paint the scene here. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) So they come. Okay. So it's like this, this 10 or 11 year old boy, like a younger boy and his mother, his name's Gabe. I don't know the mom's name. Well, they came up. This isn't your brother-in-law, Gabe. No, no, no. Okay. Different Gabe, different Different Gabe that I've never met. I've never met this kid. Well, the mom comes up to me, looks at Gabe, the little kid and said, Gabe, this is your cousin. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> a new family member. I didn't know that I had a cousin here. <laughs> what? Okay. Apparently, the mom's maiden name was Doolittle. Okay. Or something like that. Okay. But we had never met. I had never talked to her. I don't okay. even know her. And I don't think I'm related to her at all. <laughs> like, But she just wanted to have that whole experience with her son, Gabe. Yeah. So now Gabe, for the rest of the weekend, thinks that I'm his his cousin and he wants to hang out with me and like call me cousin and all of that stuff, which was just like kind of sweet and nice, um, but also kind of weird. And my sisters were on that retreat as well. And so we have a picture of all four of us cousins, quote unquote. (laughs) 
<laughs> on the couch That's since awesome. we're not actually cousins but that's so wild. Yeah, I, i've you know some crazy things have happened i'm so thankful i asked i don't remember that story whatsoever which is so weird i don't know why i'm sure you've told it to me before That's i, I awesome. think this... you've met gabe actually i think you've met him have i met gabe yeah i just would love to know what was going through that mom's head like if she really thought you were related or if she was like pulling a long-term prank on her son i don't i don't know yeah, I mean, I don't know either. Like, you'd think that they would that she would check in with me and say, "Hey, I think we might be related." Yeah. Bef- did you guys hug? We like, in. did you engage? Like, when the, she introduced, it was like, "Oh my word!" And, like, hugged and I don't wept. Know. And... I think at the end of the weekend we might have hugged. I don't. I don't know. Hmm. Well, we had uh, so Jackie came with me. Oh, up this week, which is that? fun because this is the first time I spoke mm-hmm. at a retreat, and so it was really cool for her to be there. Uh, for that. And it was cool. I got to know a lot of the leaders of the youth group. Uh, some of them I'd gone to school with. Uh, and and that was like kind of cool to like have a little bit of a reunion there. Um, what was also fun is the mystery team band had a all of that table, you know, to like pass out mm-hmm. t-shirts and you were in one of the brochures, little <laughs> yes, baby I face pull, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was fun. But what was really funny was uh, we stayed there were two cabins, the guy's cabin, the girl's cabin. Well, Jackie stayed with me in a, in the guy's cabin. Uh, and each in the guy's cabin, they were split up into like 16 rooms or something like that, 12 to 16 rooms. And so Jackie and I, of like bunk beds. Well, yeah. Jackie and I had one to ourselves. It had like its own shower and all that stuff in there. So her and I are in a bunk bed <laughs> uh, on like this plastic mattress that is so uncomfortable and I kept waking up in the middle of the night absolutely freezing, like just absolutely frigidly cold throughout the night. And we like we brought our own sheets and blankets, but like not enough. And so it was just kind of one of those experiences. But what was funny was is the walls were paper thin. Mm-hmm. So every like all you could hear the people on either side of you like talking to each other. And so you can imagine the amount of like spiritual debriefs happening in each of the rooms next to you. And then like hearing those, but what was also funny is like, it was a junior high and high school camp. So of course, before going to bed, they're all running and up and down the hallways. But then once in a while you'd hear like one, obviously sixth grader goes, guys, Zach and his wife are sleeping and and just keeps yelling that up and down the hall. And it's like, thanks brother. But also you're not helping whatsoever. (laughs) Like it's, I'm actually waking up to you yelling that, but uh, Mm -hmm. it was just so much fun. The band was fantastic. We had just gotten done with a revival service, uh, revival week where we have like seven services in four days. And they, a lot of them had played during that. And so they were tired, but they powered through. But the funniest thing was the first service, they decide to do band introductions. Well, they're gathered around together, like huddling up and they're like, which introduction should we do? Should we do option A or option B? Now, they weren't called option A or option B. They were the nicknames were different churches in the area that we're in. And one of them was a little bit more of a professional introduction. And one of them was a little bit more flashy of an introduction. So they decided to go with option A, the flashy introduction. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. Well, next thing you know, they turn off all the lights. The sound guy (laughs) grabs the mic and goes, introducing. And as he's about to start introducing, you hear the Chicago Bulls like intro music start (laughs) playing underneath. And then he starts to introduce each member of the band one by one as they run up, do something, and then go grab their instrument and get ready. 
And so like one guy like runs up and like does like a fake fadeaway shot. Another person like did a cartwheel. Apparently the drummer, they had a different drummer this week, but apparently he does a backflip in front of all of them. And I'm like, what a way to start a worship service. Like I am amazed. I'm like forgetting half the sermon in my head at this point. Like just because like I'm watching this incredible like intro that's going on in front of me, but it was, it was so fun. We had just the quotes that came out of that. Mm. Like, I think just hanging around junior hires, like oh, you yeah. never know what they're going to say. You just never mm. know. And it's perfect every single time. It's just incredible. Yeah. Of all the things I miss from all of it, I think traveling and being at winter retreats is pretty high on that list. There's just so many fun things that happen at a retreat. But also, it sounds like it's not all glamour and fun because the band, I was talking to the band members, they they travel this coming weekend and they were told that the host home they're staying at has one queen mattress, a couch, and a recliner. And they have, like eight pe- and they have eight people in that band. And so mm-hmm. they're like, they're asking us if we had an air mattress and all this stuff. And then they were given a calendar of what time they can use the bathroom before <laughs> the family's kids get up and have to use it. <laughs> Host homes are always pit or miss. So for those that don't know, if you travel to a retreat, you might stay in a retreat center, but these bands from the university are also sent to churches Hmm. and the church doesn't have a hotel inside. So sometimes you sleep on the pews. Sometimes you're at a host home, which is like, you're just staying with a family from the church and the host homes were not fun. I I mean, they were okay. Sometimes you got to meet interesting people, but most often something you would like find out that somebody has a really niche interest and you would spend <laughs> the rest of the night learning about a niche interest. Like one guy that I stayed with was super into model trains. <laughs> we spent like hours in his basement just watching his model trains go around in a circle. <laughs> It's awesome. And I've got like homework to do and I'm tired, but like, you know, I'm here in in this guy's house. I've got to be nice and just sit and watch the train go around. (laughs) Well, that's what was so, I mean, that was, what was so funny is like the band between sets, like they were doing homework. They were, you know, trying to get things, you know, things done. It's just like, but I mean, they were, they were awesome and they, they, they knew how to set a space for worship. They knew how to connect with high schoolers and middle schoolers, but uh, it was just absolutely so much fun. Glad you had a good time, and I hope you get to do more of those in the future. And if they ever need a bass player, let me know. I'd be happy. Oh, to I will. Them. Well, I have like, that was a cool a weekend because I got to do three messages over mm-hmm. the course of Saturday and Sunday. But then like I have in two weeks, I'm speaking at a like a district youth event we're in Ohio where they only need me to speak once for 20 minutes. So I'm driving like five hours to speak for 20 minutes and driving those, back. Those like, better be a good 20 minutes. Oh, that's what I've said. They're going, it's gotta be a locked in tight yeah. 20. Uh huh. Yeah. And it's like, and I'm like, Oh, what's the theme? They're like superheroes. And I'm like, Oh, great. Like what <laughs> I got to figure out, I got to figure out superheroes in the Bible. So the Super Bowl was on Sunday, and if you were watching, you probably noticed some commercials from the organization He Gets Us that were advertising Jesus, right? Yeah. Um, and doing some background into how much they spent, I mean, those those two ads that they ran cost $17.5 million. And the organization- For the two ads? Yes, for those two ads alone. And the organization hopes to spend $100 million in 2024 alone. That is hmm. a staggering amount of money. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know about you, but all of the discourse on my 
feeds and from people in my life seems to be negative. Hmm. I have people that are in my life that are conservative that say these paint Jesus in the wrong light. Mm. Only Jesus as like the loving Jesus Mm. and not shame on that. Like you've got to be able to follow the rules, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's people that are more liberal that say Mm. that, why are we spending $17.5 million to show mm. ads about Jesus when those when that money could be sent somewhere to have more yeah. of an impact. So I'm curious what you think about these ads and whether or not he gets us should be spending that kind of money on Super Bowl ads. Yeah, man, I had so what was funny is I was at a Super Bowl party that my sister held at my mom's house where she had all of her friends uh from college over and there's probably like 20, 25 of us, you know, watching the game is really fun time. Well, one of the guys who was invited over, uh, him and I get to kind of touch base once or twice each semester. And, uh, we were sitting together and that commercial goes on. And then that led to literally a 10 minute conversation where him Mm -hmm. and I were talking about that commercial. Okay. Um, and it was, it was really, it was really interesting for me because, uh, his take on it was, I wonder how many people are being saved by this commercial. Like, I wonder how many people are actually turning their life over to Christ in the, through this commercial, which I don't know if they're tracking that or if that is, you know, if that is something that you can track. I sat there and went, well, the mission might not be salvific. The The mission is probably just informative. Like, if, I, if that were my organization, I'd sit there and say, he gets us is to communicate a more clearer and accurate picture of who Jesus is. And what's really hard for me when we sit there and go that Jesus is too loving, I think we really, really, really misunderstand First uh, John 4 and God being love, like the full embodiment of love and Jesus being the full embodiment of God. Like if God, if Jesus is God and God is love, then Jesus is going to be love, this unconditional presence of love, grace, mercy, justice as well, like all these kind of characteristics that we start to kind of, you know, uh, that we see throughout uh, the person of Jesus in scripture. But I didn't necessarily see it again as salvific. I saw it as, I mean, as a Christian, I was watching it as a form of accountability to who the Jesus I worship is. Like if this is Jesus and I say, I am a Christian, I am like Jesus, then I better be like Jesus. And so as they're painting this picture, I, I, from my perspective, the seat I'm sitting in, I was sitting there going, hmm, this is a litmus test into how we as a church are acting. I'll say off the top here that I liked the ads. Like I, I thought that the foot washing ad had some really visceral imagery that was really provocative. I, I thought that, you know, foot washing is such like a intimate thing that to show mm. that happening across culture and mm. age divides and societies what it on the screen during the Super Bowl was really cool. I liked it. Mm. Now there's a separate conversation about whether or not I think it's worth $17.5 million to put that right. on the Super Bowl. Cause I don't think we get that foot washing scene. Like do we, okay. So Jesus is in the upper room hours before his betrayal hours before his death. And he decides to wash the feet of his friends, yes, but also he is washing the feet of Peter, who's going to deny his existence three times in front of him. In Luke's gospel, 
Peter denies Jesus in front of Jesus. Hmm. He also washes Judas's feet, who will be his betrayer, the person who literally sold him out for personal gain. I can't imagine any of those different visceral scenes or people or groups or settings or wherever it was that that foot washing commercial was happening, that that wouldn't go in between some kind of category of denying who Jesus is and betraying the person of Jesus. And then the rest of the disciples, I mean, Jesus says at that dinner, you are all going to flee from me. Like you're going to leave me. You're going to desert me. You're going to abandon me. And so his, the foot washing scene is an act of absolute grace and mercy to a people who were about to hurt him, to a people who are about to deny him, to a people who are about to turn him over, to abandon him, to reject him. Yes, they go on to do some incredible things in the rest of the New Testament, which is great. But in the mere hours before that, that Jesus predicts at that dinner, they are going to separate themselves from him. And if we, and, and what's funny is that follows our definition of sin. Sin very commonly explained is, is a barrier that we place between us and God. It is us removing ourselves, us moving away from who God is. And so if we see these settings or these people or these, activities, whatever it is that is showing up and we sit there and go, that's sin, yet you're foot washing in the midst of sin. That is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is washing feet in the midst of a betrayal that is about to happen. He's washing feet in the midst of a denial. So grace and light entering into darkness is literally the entirety of the incarnation. And so like you, I... I, again, the money thing is separate and I do want to get to that, but like you, when it comes to the content of it, the aspect, the, the, the aspect of being light and grace in dark or tentious places, it's all of what our faith is. I think it was particularly powerful because it was placed in between commercials for Timu and Dunkin' Donuts, right? Like it's just 15 Timu commercials. It just felt, it just felt very out of place. And part of that is we don't really expect any kind of moral message Mm. from a commercial. Well, that's what the guy I was talking to, he, 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 part of his, part of his hesitancy in liking the commercial was this does feel out of place. Like I'm kind of here to like, I, I'm expected to watch sports. I'm expected to watch a commercial for Doritos and Pepsi and 19 Timu like commercials. Like it was, if anything, like you said, provocative and I really enjoyed it. I don't know because I liked the content of the commercial. Yeah. I find myself trying to justify the mm. cost of it, yeah. but that's so much money. Think it of all so of much the money. mission or community work that could be done with yeah. 17.5 million or yeah. the hundred million that the organization mm. plans to spend. Do you think that we can justify it? I mean, what are your thoughts on this? You know, it's really hard from a church ministry perspective, the conversation of, is this the best stewardship of our money is always, always, always a topic. Mm -hmm. The church I serve at just redid the foyer a couple years ago. And that cost, I think, a couple million dollars. And so I, I had another student. Um, and people within the congregation even say like, uh, we could probably have used this money to build brand new churches, um, especially in third world countries or our church partners with a, a food pantry. And so we probably could have given that money over there. Like there's, there's, oh, there's other ways to spend money that maybe would make a bigger impact. 
However, I felt that way at one point. I'll be really honest with you. As a college student, when I saw the $2.3 million price tag of this expansion or of this this foyer and, and some other aspects of the building, I was like, man, we could really use this money elsewhere. However, the the beauty of the church, the beauty of the sanctuary, the invitational and hospitable aspects of this I thought was a kingdom purpose. I, I thought it was uh, helpful for for newcomers coming into church. I thought it was helpful for community to happen. The church previously didn't have a space where people could gather and talk between services. And so it provided a space for community to begin to happen. And so I think we find ourselves in that conversation all the time. Like, I mean, we have a budget for our ministry. And today I just spent $75 on, on a, a tool that will help me teach better, but it's only going to help me to teach. It's not necessarily going to help anyone else. It's not necessarily purely missional. And, and so it's always, it's always kind of hard. I don't, I don't know, but I mean, the he gets us campaign i think it's all funded by donors and and so i i think that um uh, people saw a vision and a mission that they that they liked that they were passionate about that they saw could be of good fruit and they wanted to spend their money that way and so i don't know we have to see the proof is in the fruit is it good fruit or is it bad fruit i think right now for me i'm leaning towards it's good fruit like what it, the conversations it's producing again, the accountability that the church is being held to at this point too, with this, like, I think it, I think it is good now again, 17 million. It, it is a lot. Yeah. We've done a great job so far of not coming down hard on either side, <laughs> but I think that's just because neither yeah. of us have a strong opinion hard on either side. I mean, I yeah. can see the argument for doing something like this and I can see the argument against it. And I think the real value of the commercial, and you said this, in terms of holding people accountable. I think the real value is the conversations that arise from the commercial. We've talked so much about our faith being a relational faith. Mm. And I think that's particularly true here, that on one hand, a commercial is not worth it if mm. you're trying to save people because people aren't mm. gonna be saved from a 45 second commercial of people washing yeah. feet. Maybe there's a minority of people that are, but I think most of our experiences are, that's not gonna do it. But I do think the value is there if it opens the door for conversations to be had, both with Christians about who Jesus actually was and with non-Christians who may have a perception of mm. who Jesus actually was, mm. that we can start to break down by showing these really powerful images like, no, Jesus was love, the full embodiment of love. It was funny is I think I was the first time I saw a He Gets Us commercial, I think I was actually at your house last year during I think it was like one of the it was during like the cultural playoff or something like that it was like New Year's party. Uh, and there was a, a family friends from your church and it came on. Uh, the commercial comes on and it says it, it shows like pictures of like refugee camps. It shows pictures of the situation at the border. Um, and then it just kind of black screen and then like white letters or something like that. And it just goes. Jesus was a refugee. And then it just mm -hmm. goes, he gets us. And the person we were with goes, no, he wasn't. Why would they even do that? Why would they make us think that way? Uh, and I don't know who they were. Uh, but I just sat there and went, oh, actually, like he he was. And and we got to have a conversation about Jesus as a baby fleeing to Egypt, 
because he could have been killed if he returned home. And that was a direction given to to Joseph at the time to, to do that. And so I think what's really hard for what, what continues to be hard for the church is how do we live out a faith? How do we let a first century story of Jesus or a first century person speak into what we're going through in the 21st century? And and really, so we began, me and that man began to have a conversation on, okay, let's talk about the conversation of refugees in terms of scripture. I mean, the Old Testament, Israel, Israel was held accountable for how they treated the foreigner and the stranger. Jesus being a refugee uh, himself, you know, caring, uh, the New Testament church, caring for those in need, sharing everything they had. And I, I wonder how often in churches we stray away from those tougher conversations. Like if I were to get up on Sunday at my church in front of the entire congregation and say, Hey, I think Jesus would have washed the feet of someone at a Planned Parenthood organization. I would be probably resigning the next day. Uh, I, if I were to be completely honest with you, like, I think there would be at, least, at the very least, there'd be quite a few conversations of people wanting to be like, um, no. And, and I don't know. I've never, the commercial made me think of something I never thought of before. And we as Christians have to continuously be wrestling with what is the most loving and gracious and justice bringing, mercy bringing, truth bringing response into all of these situations with all of these people. So, I mean, I guess that's my hope is that this commercial and the money invested in this commercial was a useful tool for people to have conversations Mm -hmm. with those in their lives. And at the very worst... They wasted $17.5 million, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what Dave Ramsey thinks of this, if anything. Yeah. He, oh he's goodness. the one we got to get to weigh. <laughs> to, yeah. We, yeah, we well, got to give him to weigh it on that one. We can have him on as our next guest, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's like, as long as he didn't use a credit card and paid cash for yeah. it, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone, thanks for joining us this week on Colin Zach in the Morning. If you have thoughts on anything that we've talked about, Super Bowl commercials, experiences at winter retreats, et cetera, you can reach out to us on our website, www colinzackinthemorning.com or you can find us on Instagram or Twitter. If we don't hear from you, have a great week. We'll see you next Friday. See you, everyone. We don't have a Twitter, but sure. Dang it.